HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This program is brought to you by Chefs Collaborative, a nonprofit with a mission to inspire, educate, and celebrate chefs and food professionals building a better food system. Change menus, change lives. Learn more at chefscollaborative.org. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. Welcome to the Grape Nation, your weekly wine journey. Our guest is Severine Peru, wine director at the Ten Bells in New York City. We'll give you the whole lowdown on natural, organic, and biodynamic wines. Or as Sev told me earlier and in her Instagram, you want to hear a thick French accent talking about natural wines? That's what you're getting today. Plus, we'll taste a white wine from Italy for our weekly wine sip, which Seb told me she's never tasted. I'm your host, Sam Ben Ruby. Stay with us for the Grape Nation on the Heritage Radio Network. We bring wine to the people. All right, Severine Peru is wine director at the Ten Bells, a natural wine bar in New York City. With a wine list offering a curated selection from small producers, she's one of the true forces behind the natural wine movement in New York City and beyond. She also acted as the head sommelier at the Raw Wine Festival um, in London and was involved in the Raw Wine Fair fair that was here last fall. Sev, welcome to the show. It's great to have you here. It's very good to be here. Thank you. Thank you for coming in. So I want you to frame who you are with our listeners. So you have a pretty interesting background in agriculture and wine, and it all ties together. So I want you to tell us about your journey in life and in wine 
that brought you to where you are now, which is the wine director at Ten Bells in New York and a loud natural wine advocate. Yep. Um, well, I'm French, first of all, obviously. Really? Yeah. <laughs> so I guess my journey with wine started very soon, um, way before I was allowed to drink alcohol, actually, obviously. So French where people. in France? Um, I grew up in French Moselle okay. with my parents, and then I moved on my own, but I will talk about it later, okay. in the Jura, which is my heart region. Great region wine of heart. region. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, yeah, uh, I started to taste wine and just like to smell and like, you know, have a little sip with my parents, obviously. Um, How young were you? Oh, uh, I don't have any memory of that. Really? (laughs) Okay. Keep going. (laughs) That's the French way, you know. Right. Culturally. (laughs) Yeah. And um, so I've always had those memories with my parents having wine on the table and tasting everything and... Like talking about them, like old vintages and how the wine age, what's, what's fun, like uh, to carafe wine and everything. So I learned that with my parents. Um, and and then I started to drink on my own because it's obviously good and that's it. And then I uh, was always involved in my life, uh, passionate about um, food and, uh, and drinks and environment. And um, I started to study environment, uh, and I specialized myself uh, in entomology, which is studying insects. Bugs? Bugs. Okay. <laughs> Butterflies, grasshoppers, uh, dragonflies, yeah. <laughs> it's very bucolic and uh, It's not and, a very girly thing to do. It is not. Bugs. It is a, it is a very uh, masculine world. Right, that's okay. <laughs> Screw it that. It is. <laughs> Um, but it forged uh, the character as well. You know, you have to uh, you have to fight for what you like, right? Which uh, helps me for now also. So it's a good thing. Uh, so yeah, I, st- I specialize myself in uh, butterflies, uh, really? dragonflies, grasshoppers, crickets, a uh, little bit of birds and uh, and frogs and everything. But very specialized into entomology. Um, I had uh, an office study of like to st- to study all those bugs. Um, on my own with uh, with my companion at this time, and we were going um, basically everywhere in the world, mostly Europe, but we went in Africa as well to study some species, biology, ecology. Um, most of our work was um, to um, like make sure for highways or other projects of like human constructions uh, that no endangered species were on the project and everything. So basically, that was more about... Um, protecting uh, the environment. Well, protecting the environment, but on the way, then, like, we will be sure that the places we are studying will be actually destroyed because of that human project. Right. So that was, after, after a few years, that was very frustrating because I was just seeing all the damages we can do to environment and also, like, that was like you know insects have like a very small uh, short life, so um, uh, it's very easy uh, one year after another to um, to see the climate changes, clim- climate changes, and and all those problems that we have right now that are true, <laughs> uh, and um, and I was sick of just being a witness of those destructions, and I wanted to act to preserve environment more on that on that way so i switched from like studying insects to um organic agriculture because for me it's like one of the best way to preserve the environment sustainability sustainability to like product our food in a different way and in a respectful way 
So I opened an organic shop because I wanted to be more in front of people and explain the customers why and how they could change things, why it was interesting for them, and, and the act of consumption can change things, actually. Um, so I did this in, uh, in French Moselle and in, in Lorraine, and then I had the chance to, uh, to move to Franche-Comté, so which is like the region where the Jura is. Uh, and but you, you got a degree... A master's? I got a master in environment. In environment. Yeah, but right. I was, and I was studying insect at the same time. That was like before. Right. And then a few years of my, uh, my studies, office study. And then I switched uh, to this shop and then I switched to the, to the region. Right. Um, yep. And I had the chance to, to work with all the organic farmers there because I was, um, my, my uh, main job was to promote, to act, to, prom uh, to promote the whole uh, organic production of the region. So to work with all the farmers, all the transformers for all the products. So cheese, uh, wine, right. cereals. How, um, much of the, how much of the farming, the people you were dealing with, were wine growers? Was uh, it a high majority or just part of it? It was part of it because uh, in the in Franche Comté you have a lot of uh, cheese production right. as well and cereal so dairy, on the north. Cows so yeah, grass, that was part of it. Lands. Yeah, but you know, like when you have the passion of wine and you drink wine and you're very close to all those awesome winemakers, obviously even if you don't have to work directly with them all the time, you spend your time off with them and you taste right. a lot of wine. And I was lucky for that that I, I went to that region. I chose to go to go to that region because I was in love with the region. And, uh, and, and I had, like, yeah, I was surrounded by all those amazing people. And so I, yep. you befriend a lot of these people. You literally get close to the land. Definitely. And you decide the next steps would be what? Well, they helped me for that. Um, I had the chance also to be um, uh, taken under the wings of very nice people, um, winemakers, but also people that were, like, advocating natural wines already in the region, uh, Stéphane Planche, um, Olivier Grosjean, all those amazing people that were like really close to me and, and taught me a lot of things. And I'm like really grateful to them. See, like even now, um, like so, I would not be here if that wasn't for them. Right. So, so you studied bugs. Yep. You went on to study the environment and agriculture. You really got out in the field. You were spending mm -hmm. time in the Jura. You befriended all kinds of farmers, dairy, mm -hmm. wine, I'm sure yeah. other guys. But when, and you just talked about specific winemakers, that was the point where you decided the wine aspect of it interested you the most? Well, uh, I had a, a last step in between. I mean, I was already convinced that I was really important to me and I wanted to go like further on that but I was still like very interesting about all the aspects of my job because I was also um, trying to work on the logistic and sourcing you know, uh, local organic products to uh, bring into schools and like to help the kids in the region to eat the local organic food um, so that was really important to me as well and, and other aspects so I really loved my job at this time but and, and also, um, the winemakers contacted me, uh, specifically Bruno Siofi from the Domaine de la Pinte. Uh, they contacted me within my job to, um, to ask me to help them to build a wine fair called Le Nez dans le Verre. So, um, Spell that for me. L-E, uh, le, le, L -E, le, le right. nez, the nose, uh, and he said, uh, dans le verre. Which but is with what? a pun, because French people like pun. So instead of being uh, verre, 
the glass, V-E-R-E, that is vert green, V-E-R-T. Ah, like so, green. Yeah, le nez dans le vert, so right. the nose in the green, so specifically uh, advocating like organic, biodynamic, right. and natural wines from the Jura. Now, were there other fairs all over the country and... You know, these winemakers wanted to do something locally in yeah. the area. Yeah, the idea was to um, to build a group of all those winemakers and to do a specific natural wine fair about Jura wine in the Jura and bring the professional and the customers from from the region, but also from France and what from abroad. What year are we talking about? We are talking about. Uh, 2011, okay. if my memory is good. Okay. So um, only five, yeah. six, seven years or ago? Ten. Or yeah, ten? yeah, yeah. Okay. 10 or 11. Okay. I should have checked on that. I'm sorry. It's okay. <laughs> um, so, yeah, they contacted me because um, I was working for, for this association for the whole region. And um, they just wanted me to help about uh, logistics and uh, trying to find some funds and like help them on like all those aspects. Uh, I obviously said yes right away because I was very interested, and that was the beginning of a very nice, uh, very nice adventure with How them. How many winemakers were you able to get involved? Well, at this time, they they were very uh, proactive on this. Um, I was here to help them, but this is definitely their baby. Um, that was like almost about like thirty winemakers. Wow. Um, yeah, so we were we were seeing each other every month. Um, and uh, trying to build that project, right. trying to also fight the people that were like against the project, people that were like not into organic and biodynamic farming in the region, because that that is also an aspect of. Yeah, I can never understand. It's like okay, yeah. if you don't agree with it, leave it alone. Yeah, you don't have to fight it. You know? <laughs> and that goes on all the time. Yeah. All right, so you do that, and what does that lead to? What well, about me? An extraordinary, uh, extraordinary. Um, human lesson of like being together trying to build something together even if we are not if we don't agree if we disagree on things even within the group like really like a really good uh, human experience um and beyond just the, the fair because um that group had such an extraordinary dynamic dynamic that they uh they were seeing each other uh, outside of those meetings, uh, like to exchange about pruning, for example, uh, to exchange about biodynamic farmings, to exchange about all their aspects, they were like sometimes feeling alone uh, with with their vineyard and not knowing to who ask for like so some examples. They created examples. their own community. They created the community, and, and that was like the most Im- the most like interesting aspect of it. Uh, the wine fair still exists, and it's like getting bigger and bigger every year. Uh, they have. Have you s- gone back in past years? I've been I've been the three first years, and I didn't the last years, and I'm very sad about it. But that's going to change next year. I'm okay. definitely going to go there. So you said there were about thirty winemakers in the yeah. past few years. Has yeah. that grown? Yeah, it's growing. Great. Yeah, it's growing up because also they are like welcoming the new ones. Right. And this is this is also that human aspect that I think is very important in uh, in the natural wine world. Right. As like bringing all the friendship relationship together and helping each other. So when do you come to the US and why? 
so after that, I definitely decided to focus myself completely into wine. Wine. I and natural back. wines. Or of, I was I was already okay. completely. As I was saying, I I had the chance to be taken under the wings of very specific people. You were committed. Yeah. <laughs> they captivated you. I mean, that's easy, you know, you have very good products right. and like, listen, like products with soul and like very good wines. all the right stuff. Know? Yeah, exactly. We call, um, we have that thing uh, with, with Stéphane Planche and other people. I mean, we were trying one night uh, after like a few bottles, obviously, we were trying to define um, that those wines uh, with low alcohol and, and like um, no sulfites, no sulfites added, nothing added, just pure juice. And we were trying to define that, to find like that, that term. And, and we ended up saying that, yeah, like the pulsar, like those pulsar and things that definitely sex water. <laughs> and <laughs> we're like, it's, it quenches your, your thirst like water. You're not, you don't feel bad. You don't feel anything uh, about the alcohol effect or anything. And it's just like, it's Go natural. into your body. It's uh, natural yeah. and healthy. And then it makes you happy like sex. So it's sex water. There you go. <laughs> That's a good way to describe it. Exactly. All right. So So yeah, I went, to, um, I went back to school for one year uh, in Beaune and Dijon, the wine school. Because um, I also wanted to go abroad and like experience a little bit more and improve my English, uh, not lose, not to lose my accent, but just improve right. a little bit my English. And um, that's what I did. And that's what brought me. Um, after that here. Which, what year was that? That was uh, 2013. And you land here, and what do you do when you get here? So I um, had a chance to land in New York to uh, do my last internship for my studies. Um, so my last, mem- my last memoir. Uh, and uh, I have to say that uh, François Eco and Jenny Lefcourt um, helped me to do that. So I started to do an internship at uh, Jenny and François. So Jenny and François yeah. are a natural, natural wine, wine importer. importer. They, in New York. They've been doing it for years. And yeah. they curate a lot of great winemakers from different countries. Yeah, definitely. So that was the perfect... That was uh, that was a perfect choice. That was right. really good. I met Francois years ago in France. Um, I love his wines so much, uh, and and we just clicked together. And so he offered me this opportunity, and uh, and Jenny followed on that. So I did my last uh, my last internship there, studying the natural wine market in New York uh, for six months or something. And I so that um, was a formal internship for your studies. That was a formal internship, okay. and then I had to like present my right. My paperwork, um, paperwork, memoir, PhD, like thesis, right. something like Your that. Your thesis. Yeah. So you did that. I did that. At you the had same to time, go back to France. No, I uh, I uh, negotiated to uh, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> to uh, just uh, uh, had my la- to have my last exam on Skype. So I just nice. presented everything on Skype. So that was so once you're easy. done with that. You have your degree, you're yeah. free and clear. It's sort of like, now what do I do? Well, that was pretty clear for me. The first week I arrived in New York starting my internship, I actually started to work at the 10 Bells on the same time, bartending there. That was making sense because I needed to learn the natural wine market in in New York. So I needed to know every aspect of it. So um, the import of wine was one. Uh, being in front of customers and selling natural wines and talking about it was another one. And like going out and going to other places and meet all those people was also another one. So I needed to bring all those things so together. So what year was that? Uh, 2013. 2013. So you yeah. sought out the 10 Bells because you knew it was 
one of New York's great well, natural. Yeah, I knew Fifi already. Okay. Um, so yeah, it's it's a that's that's the aspect I was saying that I really love in natural wine. It's a small family and and we help each other. Um, so that's that's what I. Uh, yeah. Were you literally the bartender mixing drinks? You weren't on the floor concentrating on wine yeah. the whole time. I mean, you were serving wine and selling it, but yeah, that's what I started to do. And then you moved a lot into right. Mm-hmm. You moved into wine service there. I um, no, I started actually just being a bartender. So it's you know the ten bells is a very is a very specific place. We do everything, so we have two or three bartenders per night and. That's pretty much it. So oh, okay. we do everything. Okay. We serve wine. We talk with people. We we'll, we'll get to ten bells in a little later. bit. But yep. before we get to that, because mm-hmm. there's a lot going on there, um, let's talk about natural wines. And it's a pretty vast subject, and I need you to help me kind of navigate it. Mm-hmm. Your friend Isabella Geron from Raw Wine said she sort of defined natural wine as. Wine where nothing has been added nothing and removed. nothing has been subtracted. Yep. Now, no doubt that's true. It's a little simplistic. So you are the perfect person to help us understand natural wines. So I want you to give us a little insight, yep. a little primer, you know, into really what natural wines are. It's been a very popular subject on this show. We've had a lot of people come in and out, talk about it, advocates. Some people love it. Some people don't care as much. But I think one of the things our listeners grapple with is sort of defining what it is. So start anywhere, but what are, what are natural wines? How do you define them without getting too crazy? No, it's actually very simple. We don't have to be crazy on anything. Okay. Um, Isabel has a very good definition. It's 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 simple and it's very um, straightforward, which I like. Um, it's just if 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 we have to if we have to explain a little bit more, it's just you have two different steps that are very important into the natural wine process making process. Um, first of all, it's in the vineyard. Um, obviously, the wines, uh, the grapes have to be uh, grown in an organic or biodynamic way, okay. certified or no. But like the the, the organic, like the, the farming practices have right. to be here. And uh, some people practice organic, but yeah. don't necessarily get certified. Yeah, but they're practicing organic. Yeah. Um, so and it starts or, and in the biodynamic field. as well. So it starts right. in the field, and it's uh, the very important step. Actually, because you need the healthiest grapes ever to make natural wine. Because, as Isabel says, you don't remove anything and you don't add anything. So if your grapes are sick, well, you're going to add some disease or anything. That's not going to happen. That's not going to work out. If they are not healthy enough, they will not have the ingenious uh, yeast to start the fermentation or to finish the fermentation if they are not strong enough. So you need uh, the best quality ever for the grapes for the vines, the healthiest vines ever. So there's all techniques for replenishing the soil. If there's pests and bugs, they treat it in an organic, biodynamic way, depending on what, you know, without adding anything, which would be pesticides or... Yeah, it's the same then for us. Um, we, We prefer, obviously, to be healthy and and to prevent diseases than to be sick and to have to take medication. Right. right. So it's a day-to-day work. You take vitamins, you take uh, some plants, or you take some, like, And you do that in the farming you. So this is, this is the You're thing. You're always like, taking you try, care and feeding. Yeah. The ten, the ten, you just try to get, like, the healthiest 
uh, grapes, vines as possible, uh, the healthier soils as possible. So, and then I'm yeah. sorry, I didn't mean no, to go ahead. On the farming practice, mm-hmm. you need to be organic or biodynamic. You need to practice, you know, natural farming techniques where you're not, you know, adding anything unnatural. So that's in the field. So you said to grow healthy grapes. Yeah, that's the that's the the main part, the basic part, the main part. And then after that, uh, the harvest have to be uh, made by hand because you want to be gentle with the grapes also. And then... So no machine... No machines. It's Everything's yeah. hand-picked. Yeah. Because you're, you're like... Uh, sourcing you're sorting your grapes right and then and then obviously you want to be as gentle as you can with them because you know the same thing if you if you like thread, like are not like gentle with them that you're gonna break the skin you're gonna so you're gonna bring disease on it so just like be gentle with them and then they're gonna so silly obvious question mm-hmm. a lot of the natural wine makers and wine growers are not necessarily these huge, massive, mega farms, right? I no, mean, that's the opposite. That's the human aspect. They're generally owned, operated, farm, farmer, owner. Yeah, this is mostly like family grower. estates. Right. And, um, the movement is comprised mostly of winemakers like that because they can control the yeah. field. I mean that's that's one of the like, that's part of the definition as well. It's like it's a it's family estate like um, human size right. estates um, because most of the work is made uh, by humans and and by hand and uh, All right, so or tractors now, like in the vineyards sometimes or by horse. You know, it's right. like you see pictures of yep. sowing the land with a mule or mm-hmm. all right. So now the grapes are brought in. They're brought in by hand. Um, so continuing the natural wine process, now what happens? Now you got to get in the cellar. What keeps and makes a wine natural at that point? Well, after that, it's pretty simple. Like Isabel said, nothing added, nothing removed. So the fermentation have to uh, happens with indigenous yeast. So the yeast that are naturally present on the skin of the grapes. No, no adding yeast. No adding yeast, even if they are organic, uh, right. artificial yeast or anything. No added yeast, no added enzymes. Uh, no temperature control most of the time, and so natural uh, temperature. Usually, you're, you're not like, using cold tanks or. No. You're ju- and then, um, and then that's it. No additives, and, uh, and so are there, no hard process. Are there? Di- you're not adding anything, but are there different techniques? Like some people do whole cluster, some don't. Yeah, or it's not all whole cluster. Or no, not necessarily. Okay. That's, that's just uh, that's uh, the. Some people use concrete the, tanks, wood tanks. Definitely. I mean, all of yeah. that is the winemaker's choice. Yeah, this is but this is just a winemaking that's choice. That's okay. That's definitely okay. Right, the style <laughs> yeah. is dictated by what type yeah. of tank or you know how they ferment. Yeah, we are talking about artificial additives or anything. It's just not not of those things are allowed, obviously, because we just want pure juice. And then at the end, uh, the only additive that is authorized at very low levels or none, if the winemaker doesn't want to add any, is the sulfur, SO2. And that's it. So they make, I wouldn't say exception, but the usage of small amounts of sulfur yeah. is used in even natural wines. In some of them. Some. 
Some um, people choose not to. Some people choose not to use it. Some people choose to use it at very low level. Uh, definitely, uh, there is like it's it's always very very low level of sulfur. Right. And past like beyond a certain level, it's not a natural wine anymore, and it's not gonna happen. Also, nothing removed is uh, most of the time no filtration or very very uh, light filtration on cellulose or something like this. But that's it. Right. You know. No fining. No. Or, all right, so let me ask you the obvious questions. Mm-hmm. So does the consistency of the wine vary year to year? Not because of the quality of the vintage, because one year it could be rainy, it could be hot. That will always – but d- does the consistency change because you're going natural or the winemaker can sort of create his style naturally? Well, in it's like – in between, I mean, it's both. It is. Uh, but that's the magical part of it. If you drink always the same thing, it's fucking boring, right? Right. <laughs> so that's, well, that's the magical part That's the beautiful thing about it. wine. It's yeah. an agricultural product. Exactly. That's the beautiful, uh, yeah, that's the magical part for me. It's like always having different uh, differences, uh, always tasting something. More with new. natural than regular wines, right? Yeah, because those wines have soul. Right. They are alive and they evolve. And See, you open now a you're bottle. hitting what the wines do they're more soulful there's more of a connection to the winemaker Mm -hmm. so in your opinion because you've been around this as long as anyone and i'm not even sure this is the right question but has the quality of natural wine changed has it gotten better you know say in the past three five ten years or it's the same like have they gotten better at making natural wines or it's same 50 (laughs) years ago as now uh, that's like... Is that a silly question? It's not a silly question. It's just like uh, people that don't necessarily um, embrace natural wines You usually use that argument to say like natural wine is bad or it's tastes not bad or not consistent or anything. Uh, I would say like 99.9% of the industrial wines are not interesting to me and not, don't taste necessarily interesting or don't have soul or anything. So that's the same thing. Uh, and also, it depends on each, each person, each winemaker, um, if, if the cellar is clean, if the practices, the, the winemaking practices are like well done or no. And um, I guess it's like, it's, it's just a matter of like the natural, uh, the wine world, not natural, the wine world in general. It's just, that's the same thing that we can say. It depends on each person. I, I think you answered maker. the question. Yeah. I think there is no inconsistency. It is no. what it is. It is what if it is. And it depends on each winemaker. you have a farmer winemaker who's very diligent in the field and in the cellar, you know, he's going to make his terrific soulful product and all yeah. of that. Mm-hmm. Do you... Now, I'm asking you this stuff because I'm just not as experienced at this stuff as you. Is it obvious? Can you differentiate the physical appearance and taste of natural wines versus other ones? Like in a blind... I mean, are there characteristics that are, you know, so obvious with natural wines? I mean, obviously not the filtering. and mm-hmm. Is that part of the characteristic of natural wine? Uh, I would say... Um some really nice cloudy wines will be definitely like easier to recognize if just like so that's an obvious visual but yeah like that's a visual but um the most interesting blind test for me would be in a white in a in a black glass so you cannot see anything 
So why, like with this, for me... So then that's the question. If yeah. you're blind with natural and other wines... Yeah, for me, definitely, the first thing will be uh, the first nose. Like, if it burns my nose or no. Burns and would be... Burning nose would be the sulfur, like the huge all the amount crappy of sulfur. industrial like, wine. Yeah. Okay. So you don't pick up any of that stuff. No. So the good reasons why natural wines are so good... You, you can differ. You won't pick up the other stuff. Well, I guess it's the same thing than um, for food or like everything. When you when you start like you know by eating processed food and and everything, uh, your taste buds are not necessarily very accurate or because you're like um, blurred by the sugar, by the salt, feel by like crap after MSG and everything and the additives. But when you start to go on like eating organic and everything, you're gonna like learn different things your palate will change and you will never go back on like industrial food because it's way better to You're eat right. those things and that's the same thing with wine so uh, when you start to drink and enjoy natural wines and you keep going and going and going and then one day you're like in front of like an industrial wine you're not going to drink it. <laughs> no. You're not going to put your nose on it either. No. You're, so, you're, you're right about that yeah, because there's of no going all back. the... All the proper practices mm. that go into making the wine yeah. reflect in, you know, how You're not going to enjoy it anymore. I mean... All right, so I want to ask you two more questions, and then I want to talk a little about Ten Bells, mm -hmm. because Ten Bells is a place that executes, you know, the, the vision of natural wines and all that. Is natural wine... Is it a trend? Is it still a trend? Is it here? I mean, I know you're so deep into it, you don't <laughs> see it, but when you look outside... Is there anything to that? I mean, for me, it's not a train, as we said. But um, but, but it's for big in New York, San Francisco, yeah, Paris, even Tokyo. When you get oh, out of that, yeah. you know, it's not you know. So it's trendy in it's those areas. It's trendy and it's trendy for customers that never heard about it before. And thanks to social medias, thanks to uh, all the natural, all the, the, the wine fairs, bars, the fairs, fairs, or the restaurants that are doing an awesome job. People like you who cheerlead and, for and the importers wine. as well. They're right. like you know, like every, Jenny, like, Jenny and Francois, and right. other ones like so many, so many good importers, natural wine importers in New York and and in other places, um, and they're doing like such a good job and it's it's hard it's it's a really hard job um so We're yeah that helps to like promote advocate those wines to customers that never heard about them before and and they they're gonna go to places and taste um like the the best example for me is like when i started to bartend at 10 years four years ago um and and now I, s I can see the change with the customers, definitely. Like four years ago, I was like trying, maybe also I changed a little because I was like fighting so much to explain and like to, you know, imp like but not impose a wine, but like That's really the process. Oh yeah, definitely. I, I mean, it took work at the we beginning. It gets a little easier yeah. as time goes by. Yeah, but now like like even like very cloudy wines or anything or, or like like challenging wines for beginners uh, that never heard about it before, they are like, they're happy to, to be challenged. They want that. They come and they ask specifically for like unfiltered wine or like weird right. wine or anything. And they taste. And sometimes they're like, oh, um, maybe that's too extreme for me right now. Do you have something easier? I'm like, yeah, sure. Let's start with something. And you as make mm. sure people know 
what they're getting. If they're asking yep. for it, but you're not sure they know about it, you'll make sure. Because you yeah. want them to enjoy it and expect what... This is know. an experience you're, you're yeah. getting. So, yeah, definitely. I, so I guess it's fair to say the T word trend is starting to die down. It's becoming <laughs> more culture. All right. So if that's the case, why is it that most restaurants, most restaurants mm-hmm. just don't carry natural wines or enough what's your opinion of that that's a very good question i am very sad about it and um i have to pick very carefully the places i go and it I hasn't think hit the mainstream yeah yet. it's it's really um i don't i don't understand it actually because some chefs and some restaurants like staff are taking so much pride and 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 taking so much time to source all their products. And they do an awesome job in the kitchen. And they cook so well. With the ingredients with the and ingredients, matching it to everything. the wine. They spend so much time to source but organic that- products for food. And then they have a list that is not matching at all, which is sad. And I, yeah, I don't understand it. But more it, but places yeah. are doing that. More people mm-hmm. are experiencing it. So more people are going to walk into the restaurants that don't serve it and say, why don't you have this or they're going to ask for it? It's changing a lot, yeah. So that, that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so a couple things. We're going to take a quick break, mm-hmm. and then I want to come back and talk about the Ten Bells because it's a very interesting bar. And then I want to subject you to our wine list. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. And then we're going to take a quick sip of some wines, and I want to ask you about that. So we're talking to Severine Peru. Sev is the wine director at the Ten Bells in New York City. Um, We'll be right back after this break. This program is brought to you by Chefs Collaborative, a national nonprofit network with a mission to inspire, educate, and celebrate chefs and food professionals building a better food system. Chefs Collaborative members work to make sustainable practices second nature for every chef in the United States. Chefs Collaborative was founded in 1993 by visionary chefs including Rick Bayless and Alice Waters, who acknowledge the influential role of food professionals on our food choices, our collective personal health, the vitality of cultures, and the integrity of the global environment. Chefs Collaborative believes that the greater culinary community can be a catalyst for positive change by expanding the market for good food and helping to preserve local farming and fishing communities. Change menus, change lives. Learn more about Chefs Collaborative at chefscollaborative.org. Hi, I'm Carrie Diamond, host of Radio Cherry Bomb, the show about women and food on Heritage Radio Network. Tune in on Thursdays at 1 p.m. to hear interviews with the most interesting women in the world of food. Support our show and all of Heritage Radio Network's programming. Go to heritageradionetwork.org and click on the beating heart to donate. All right, we're back. We're back with my guest, Severine Peru from the Ten Bells. And I want to talk to Sev a little about the Ten Bells. The Ten Bells opened in 2008. It's at 247 Broom Street on the Lower East Side. Um, Sev, correct me if I'm wrong on this, but it is considered and it is one of the first natural wine bars in yep. the country, right? Exactly. So um, 
the ten bells opened uh, only like a month or something after Terroir in uh, San Francisco. So basically, we are the first one on the on the East Coast, and okay. Terroir is the first one well, on the West Coast. Top two is yep. pretty you know, <laughs> impressive. So, and, and there wasn't much of this going on. No, so it was a, it was a, an experiment mm-hmm. yep. um, in the making. All right. So tell us a little about the ten bells. Tell me about the vibe and what you're doing there. Yep. So um, ten bells was opened by. Um, uh, mainly French people that wanted to um, like promote natural wines, so that was a hundred percent natural wine list. At they the were beginning. living here and wanted to do it, or they came over. No, from they France? were living here. Okay. They were living here. They were involved with other projects before, and that was like a, a project that they had on their own after that. Um, no, they were all living here, um, and so yeah, opened in two thousand eight. Uh, the the idea was to have. A wine bar, not a restaurant or anything. So something very simple and bon vivant. And uh, so the, the, the idea was just to come here, order wines by the glass or the bottle, just put the bottle on the bar and people just help themselves with the bottle. It's not like a service at the table. I mean, it, it is a service at the table, but it, we are not pouring the glasses of everybody all the right. time or anything. Like right. It's a French bistro attitude. Um, and yep. Just so talk to me about the wine food. list. The wine list has approximately, what, three, 400 selections? So right now, um, the wine list, as it is now. Right. Um, it's and I know like, it changes. Yeah, it's uh, around 400 different references by the bottle. Okay. Um, we do have Magnums, Jeroboams. We have a Matusalem for fun as well, if someone wanted. <laughs> wanted I saw. There, a lot of bubbles. At yeah. the end of the wine list. Yeah, we have the big, big bottles. Big, bottle. Yeah, Not just Magnums, yeah. but Beyond and all of that. <laughs> So, so we have this and like maybe 20, 25 wines by the glass. The wine list, I update the wine list um, almost every day. It changes a lot. So, yeah. It, yeah. So within the 400 plus selections, mm-hmm. the strength of the wines, the regions, the types are what? I'm going to guess French. Maybe for the most part it's French, but it's evolving a lot as well because... Um, What's the evolution? Where is it going? It's going everywhere. It's going everywhere. The wines are amazing, which is like... So name some areas specifically. Well, Obviously, you're doing Italy, a yeah. good natural wine country. Yeah, a tiny bit of Italy, uh, Spain. Uh, my goal was also to promote all the uh, American natural wines because we are in New York and we are in America. So it's obviously uh, also very important to promote and sure. to help the natural winemakers in the same country. So stay and on there that. are a lot. Stay on that for a second. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about California. Give mm-hmm. me two or three uh, natural winemakers from California that are doing it and doing it well. By specific names. Specific names? Yeah. yeah. Tell me some winemakers. Sure. Well, the Living Wines Collective uh, are really interesting right now. Uh, That's the brand name it goes under, Living Wine it's Collective? It's Living Wine Collectives, Populis, Les Lunes. Um, okay. At the beginning, there was four uh, people um, they were like they went to study wine um, all around the world and they came back to California and decided to have that collective project uh, and under different brands so Populis and uh, Les Lunes and things uh, give me one or two more like uh, well Steve Edmonds that we just uh, welcomed last Steve night Edmonds, yeah that we just welcomed last night for me series. the winemaker series he's um, making natural wines mm-hmm. yep 
Um, and like so many more. I mean, Marta Stumann now that was part of the project, uh, the Living Wines Collective project. She has a thing on her own now. What's her name? Marta Stumann. Okay. Uh, that is like really interesting. Uh, La Clarine Farm. I mean, I could, I could La Clarine. Have La Clarine. Hard what about Wallace, New like York State, Long Island? Anybody doing that? Bloomer Creek. Bloomer Creek Estate. Okay. Definitely. Okay. Yeah. So those are some names to look at. Mm-hmm. Now tell me some other countries that are represented on the list that people, if they know natural wine, would expect to see, but not necessarily our listeners. What other countries besides what we mentioned are making natural wines? Well, I can I can uh, mention all of them because they're all interesting. But we have Austria, Germany, Slovenia, Slovenia, Slovakia, uh, Hungary. We have uh, Australia, South Africa. We have France, Italy, Portugal, uh, so many of them. Now, have most of them been making natural wines for many years, or some countries have shifted? Some countries have shifted, I would say. Um, it's like a pretty new group. Like of in people. South Africa, there's a natural growing region. I forgot the name of it. Uh, in Swartland. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a whole movement there. Yeah, there are two movements, Zoo Biscuits and uh, Swartland Independent right. Wine Growers. Um, both of them are like part of the same dynamic of young winemakers that are like um, meeting each other. Same thing than like that this group in the Jura, same thing in, in so many regions. In, right. in Austria, is the same thing. In Australia, is the same thing. Um, this is this is the human part. All the people are like grouping their knowledge and helping each other. Right. And yeah, it happens there too. And it's really interesting right now. So how do you select what goes on the list? I mean, you said you look at it every day. I taste You're everything. You're obviously tasting. <laughs> some of it's seasonal. Some of it you get tired of. I mean, is that the process? Yeah, the process is um, having fun. That's and enjoying it. the things. It's a fun wine. It's going on the <laughs> yeah. list. You're not trying to make the list smaller. If anything, it's going to be no. bigger. Right? Yeah, okay. <laughs> That's so. my main problem so is addi- uh, to stop sometimes. <laughs> right, but addition is good generally. Yeah, it's just a problem of uh, storing the wine Would sometimes. It, is it easy to say like what the next hot natural wine region is? I mean, is there something in the sites or everybody's sort of doing it now? I don't know. I'm not really like a trendy person. I'm okay. not following the trends or anything. I'm just doing it But you it mentioned more with Slovenia, guts, you know? Slovakia, yeah. you know, Georgia. Yeah. I mean, Australia's Greece, Greece is mm-hmm. making some great wines. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about some of the things you do at Ten Bells. You have this uh, 400 plus wine list. You represent mm-hmm. all these countries. Small curated list of growers, natural wines. And some of the things you do there to get that out are you do a thing called a winemaker series. Yeah, meet the winemaker. Meet the winemaker, I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's fine. Same thing. Tell me what that is. And you just did one. I just did two, actually. We had Meinklang. We had Niklas Pelzer on Monday night uh, to represent Meinklang wines. M-E-I-N-K-L-A-N-G. Yeah, from Bogenland in Austria. Okay. And uh, we had Stephen Munz from California. Um, basically, I try does to... Does Steve grow the grapes or does he contract them? He contracts most of them. He does? Yeah. And where does he get them from? All over California or mostly... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Not just Napa or Sonoma, but different regions, I would think. Uh, yeah. I mean, he's in the Sierra Foothills, so it's right. like also Sierra like more on the east side. Yeah. So the winemaker yeah, so the, series those events. is to highlight 
somebody committed? Yeah, my goal was uh, ease um, to bring the people together. Same thing, the human part. Um, so I really wanted, because every night we talk with the customers and we explain the wines and we try to give them um, uh, like good reasons and to enjoy it even more, to enjoy the wine even more. Um, like if I go with the Jura because I'm like, I'm representing them so much. Um, every night, like when I serve a wine from the Jura or something, I'm like, Hey, you want to see the picture of the winemaker? Like, here you are. Like you're drinking the wine of this family. Make a connection. Yeah. And, and, and people love it. And it's really important to explain also why the family aspect and the human aspect is very important. Um, and so I really wanted to go farther and, and to bring those people together. So every time a winemaker was in town, he was like, hey, can we meet? Can we have a drink or something? It's like, yeah, yeah, you come, you're coming at 10 base and we are not having a drink, you and me, but you're going to have a drink with everybody. Right. And uh, I'm going to fetch your wines, all your wines, like as much as, as your, of your wines by the glass on like a low margin for the night so people can enjoy everything right. and can taste everything. And you're not going to be behind the bar working with me. You're going to be on the other side with the customers and they're going to come to talk to you. One and thing, that was the point. One thing I learned mm. about wine from this show and even before is people in wine love to talk about wine. <laughs> so when you get a winemaker and he puts his blood, sweat, and tears into making that wine, he loves to get in front of people and talk about it. And the idea that you bring them to the people is a great thing. You also do similar vein. You'll do a book signing, right? You yep. know, if a winemaker or somebody's doing a book. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah. Isabel did some book signing, Alice Ferring, and we right. will have one on the 13th of June Which is? Uh, for the new uh, book from uh, Alice Ferring and Pascaline Le Peltier. Uh, so the Dirty, dirty wine, Book of the Wine. The Dirty Book of Wine. Yes. They're uh, coming on the show next month, I think, perfect. to yeah. talk about the book. So yeah, we have the book release and uh, and we're going to fill you like, some wines by the glass that they are talking about in, in the book. And it's going to be a huge, huge, huge party, like a fun night. So Nice. Yep. All right, so... Those are the main things that are going on. The wine list, the big bottle program, the winemaker series. You'll get a book signing there mm-hmm. and meet the people that write it. And there's tapas-style foods to match mm-hmm. the uh, yeah. the uh, list. French and Spanish nibbles, just to have fun. Perfect. Mm-hmm. All right. So one last thing before I ask you some questions about our wine list. You are getting yourself into the wine import business? A tiny bit, yeah. Um, now, I started... Why, how, and what? Well, I was very um, surprised uh, talking with some winemakers that um, to know that they weren't represented in the U.S. already. I go to fairs and, and still yeah. see that. Yeah, it happens. And, but um, you have a palate to know this guy's making great wines, <laughs> right? Well, everybody has a palate. It's just, you know... Yeah, you're a trained palate. <laughs> so you... So, yeah, I was just... And, uh, and I was like, well... That's that's too bad. We should uh, we should change that. And you know, I had uh, had few hours of sleep per night, and I was getting bored. So I just decided to uh, to start to import wine as well um, on my own. So I created Severin Selections. Severin um, Selections. Yeah. And where are you at with that? I mean, do you have a handful of? Uh... I have a handful of three winemakers. <laughs> okay. I know. Okay, <laughs> you have one hand. <laughs> okay, but that's how you start. Seb. Well, that's how you start, and also I really want to represent them as much as I as well as I can. So that was the. Are point. they three French winemakers? No, they are not. Uh, can you say who they are? Yeah, definitely. Let me hear. Um, so it's Jean-Pierre Rich from Alsace, so okay. French wine. Spell 
his last name? Rich, R-I, uh, R-I, sorry, okay. um, E-T-S-C-H. Okay. Jean-Pierre Rich. Uh, he's in Mittelbergheim in Alsace. And uh, then I have Tom Schobrook from Australia uh, in the Barossa Valley. And then I have Craig O'Kins from Testalonga in South Africa, in Swartland. Okay. Are these wines in the U.S.? Yeah, they're here. They're ready to, to be drunk. In New York? Uh, yep, okay. Definitely. So I'm going to post on our site those mm-hmm. guys so yeah. that people could look for them. Because yeah. if they didn't hear or whatever, that's the beauty of a podcast. You know, they could come back and listen, yeah. plus I'll post that. And you know why I didn't really want to have, like, not necessarily just French wines? Because my, um, my idea was just to represent the interesting things. And, and the same thing, like the dynamic group. And, right. and the new I totally people. get that exactly so that's that's, that's nothing why to do not necessarily right. it's about wine and the best mm-hmm. people making it exactly all right so I will uh, post on our Facebook page and on the Grape Nation mm-hmm. uh, website Sevy's wine so that you can pick them up all right Sev we subject everybody on our uh, show to answer a quick list of questions called the wine list so first question is what are you drinking now <laughs> I know you haven't been drinking a lot, but what lately, what were the things that you've been trying, tasting a lot of? Well, right now, new wines that are, um, are brand new in the market in New York and that I was drinking. Any region yeah, or yeah, winemaker? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, uh, Jason Ligas, like, I mean, the Domaine Ligas in Greece. Spell it. Um, L-I-G-A-S. L-I-G-A-S. Um, White wine? Amazing people, all of their wines, okay. actually. So uh, M4 wines, orange wines, uh, red wines, rosé. Uh, brand new in the U.S., super interesting. Uh, I was drinking them. Actually, Isabelle Lejon introduced me to them okay. uh, when we did the pop-up two years ago for the Raffaire in London. Right. And I was featuring those wines, um, and I was blown away by them. So that's really, really interesting. Um, but like you know, I always go back to the Jura as right. well. <laughs> so you're always you're always trying new stuff, but you're going back to the Jura. Yeah. Good answer. <laughs> what is Severine's favorite wine and food pairing? Do you find yourself? Yeah, the best pairing for me is to drink wine with friends. That's a good answer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No food involved, just friends. The you know, food is the, the food is secondary. <laughs> it could be French fries yeah. or whatever. You want to enjoy a real good bottle I or like just a, uh, like a simple bottle. The best way to enjoy it is I to be in good that company. Answer. Yeah. All right. Besides, besides the Ten Bells, mm-hmm. which we know is one of the oldest natural wine bars. Tell me your favorite, or we can cut the word favorite out, but good wine restaurant and or bars. Let's stay with New York that do the wine right. The selection, the service, the complement of the food. Tell me what's good in New York in your mind. Well, my uh, my headquarters for a long time was uh, Pearl and Ash. Pearl and Ash? Sadly, that is... uh, Do you go to Rebel now? Yeah, I do. Okay. I do. I've been a long, uh, long-time lover of Roberta's. Okay, all the time. Um, Roberta's has a, We're yeah. at Roberta's. They have yep. a great wine list and they have great food with it. Give yeah. me one more. Um, the Forceman in in Williamsburg in, is really cool. That's uh, James 108. Murphy and Justin's yeah. place. Yeah, amazing. They're doing people. a great selection. Yeah. Uh, 108. Uh, Where's that? It's uh, the Japanese restaurant in Williamsburg as well, which is really interesting for wine and sake. Sake. And uh, the food is amazing for me. It's one of the most interesting. 108 in Williamsburg? Yep. 
Okay, good yeah. one. That's a new one on the really show. Good. Do you have? That's plenty. <laughs> I know you I have those. <laughs> I know, but those are good. I don't want to. <laughs> you don't have to do too many. Do you have a favorite all-time wine? Is there a wine that moved you that you drank once and remember forever? Yeah, yeah. I have. I have. Couple? A few of them. All right, yeah. let me hear them. Okay. With the whole story around? Or no, we don't have time bit? for this okay. story. Give me the wine. Um, well, a tiny bit of the story because that's important. Well, I don't but want to hear about the a regard. wine that you drank and then you got laid. That's your business. Oh, definitely not. Okay. <laughs> no. No, no, no. Give me, um, give me your le, one or two favorite all-time wines. Two that blown me away. Um, uh, le Regard du Loire from uh, Jean-Pierre Robineau. So Jean-Pierre Robineau, R-O-B... R-O-B-I-N-O-T. And what kind of wine is it? That, uh, that's a Pinot Donis from the okay. Loire Valley. Okay. You know, sulfur added. Um, that was a long time ago, and that was with uh, winemakers and with uh, Stéphane Planche and all those people. And we were drinking so many natural wines. Like, all of them were so good. Uh, that was, like, hard, like, to make a difference because they were all, like, amazing. And then I had that taste of this one, and I was like... Holy shit! It's just, it's, I couldn't, it. I couldn't describe. Give me yeah. one more. Another one was uh, L'Insolent a long time ago as well the in champagne? Paris. No, L'Insolent uh, from François Eco. Spell which it. is um, um, L'Insolent L apostrophe um, I N S O L E N T L'Insolent. Okay. Uh, from François Eco. Uh, Spell Eco. Eco E C O T. Echo, yeah. François Echo. Okay. Who is also uh, the François from Ginny and François. Oh, okay. Same thing. Great. Um, and it's a field blend of uh, five grapes, Aborio, César, um, Gamay, Pinot Noir, and Pinot Donis. And I was in Paris at the Coin Sauvino, and I was talking with the owner, Guillaume. It was just like, bring me, bring me a bottle that you really enjoy right now. And he brought me that, and I was like, oh, yeah. So that this was, is one. So those are two good yeah. ones. Yeah, and that was before uh, before meeting François, actually. That was my first taste of François and François and Jenny. And, and those really so, stand yeah. out. <laughs> All right, we have a few more minutes and we got to wrap up. Um, tell me, I'm sending my kid out to a dinner party or he's bringing a gift to other friends. Tell mm-hmm. me the best wines to think about buying for around 15 bucks, 15 to 20. 15? Give me a red and a white. Retail. Yeah, of course. Um, hmm. Give me a white first. White. A lot uh, of people say Muscadet. Well, yeah, you have Muscadet that is really nice and like super easy to start uh, because it's super refreshing. So, Give me yeah, another white Muscadet. But um, you can go with like so many options like uh, Chenin or uh, you even can get the Chenins Jura. for fifteen twenty bucks. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, Chenin If you get with uh, La Grange Tiffen or. Definitely La Grange Tiffen, um, uh, Coralie, uh, uh, Coralie Demeur. Is that um, the winemaker? Yeah, she is. And, uh, S- say it again for me. Oh, uh, I mean, it's, it's a couple, La Grange, but it's like, you can find it on La Grange Tiffen. Okay. Yeah. All right, give me a red. Um, a red. Well, you have the Beaujolais, definitely, with very good Beaujolais. options. Right. Uh, you can definitely get some Pulsar as well from Domaine de la Pinte, around Poussard. 15, 20. P-O-U-S-S-A-R-D? P-O-U-L-S-A-R-D, yeah. Pulsar. Pulsar from the Girard. So definitely you can find in between okay. 15 and 20. Yeah. Can you give me a good Pulsar winemaker? Yeah, you can, uh, like in that range of uh, price range, uh, you go to uh, the, the entry level of uh, Domaine de la Pinte. Okay. And it's Spell really amazing. Um, Domaine right. de la Pinte, P-I-N-T-E. 
Pint. Yeah, okay. I'm doing I'm doing uh, the Pulsar de l'Amical by the glass right now at the Ten Bells, and it's 15 by the glass, and it's like around that price. Good value. It's really interesting. Yep. All right, those are all good choices. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna uh, post those on our social media sites. I may have to email you to <laughs> double check some things. All right, Sev, we're gonna wrap up the show. If you have a question, wine happening or event, hit me up at the Sam at the GrapeNation.com. That's Sam at the GrapeNation.com. Um, follow us on Facebook at the Grape Nation. We'll post the wine list answers for uh, this week's uh, Sev Picks. Follow us on Instagram at SBenRuby, Twitter at BenRuby. And for the most extensive information, our website is up and running. It's www.thegrapenation.com. Now, Sev, where can we find you and the Ten Bells on social media? So on social media, you can find uh, the Ten Bells on um, Instagram. On Twitter. I, we have a website. Uh, what so is it's it? Tenbellsnyc.com. Okay. Um, the wine we, list is there. The menu. All the that. wine list is not completely updated on that. But one. I mean, enough <laughs> taste to know yeah, what's definitely. going on. You have pictures. You can see. Uh, so you can see the, the place and then come, and it's it's way un- more enjoyable to be with us right. and to have the real experience and the fun. Um, we could follow you. You at can follow the Ten Bells on Instagram at uh, Ten Bells uh, at the at Ten Bells NYC. Okay. Oh, and we can follow you at, at S E V P E R R U at Sev Peru. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you want to track what Sev is doing, follow her on Instagram at Sev Peru. If you want to know more about the Ten Bells, it's www.thetenbellsnyc.com. Uh, yeah, and on Instagram, we post everything about the events a few days in advance. So okay. if you want to come to the Meet the Winemakers right. events so or one anything. Of the, one yep. of the reasons to keep an eye on that is Sev is always bringing interesting people in. We're not going to taste a wine tonight, even though I have a bottle open. Sev has a little cold, so it's not a big deal. We're running out of time. Um, I want to thank my guest, Severine Peru. Severine is the wine director at the Ten Bells in New York City. Uh, we gave you all the information. Thank you to our engineer, Vitor, and thank you to everyone at the Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sam Ben Ruby, and you've been listening to The Grape Nation. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.